Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? It is a special pre-Thanksgiving Day edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. I am not James Coe. I am... Am I MG my guy, Marcus Grant? Can I? That's that, kind of weird. That's weird, you're, right? You're your oh, own guy. guy. That's really weird, right? Anyway, I'm Marcus here alongside, of course, the whiz kid from Wisconsin, Alex Gelhar, the magical beard of fantasy, Matt the Franchise Franciscovich, and West Virginia's finest, the wide receiver prognosticator, Matt Harmon. What's up, guys? What hey, up? Hey, man. Let's go. You're looking, you're looking good today looking in forward. your big huh. yellow Big Thanks. bird gap sweater. My uh, my big yellow gap sweater. My 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 hoodie here with my matching yellow shoes too to go. I was gonna we were, when we were walking up here. I noticed that your shoes were matching your your hoodie, and that is an advanced move, right? There. This is great podcast. This is uh, a great also week, yellow this shoes. Is great, this is a great podcast we're to spoil, talk here. Spoiling our listeners with three episodes this week. This I know, one, right? We're hoping no promises to keep this one as brief as possible. <laughs> Just hit the three Thanksgiving games for you guys. Uh, that way you can listen to this before you have to deal with relatives on Thursday or challenge to it on accepted. Wednesday. Hey, look, it, it is in America. It is Thanksgiving week, which is a time to overindulge. So we are overindulging you oh, good with point. extra fantasy takes. So, uh, hey, let's get right to it. No headlines for this one. We're just going to get into the three games that will be played on Thursday, give you some fantasy previews. Uh, we will hit some daily daps, which will be interesting because uh, we just did that. But uh, we'll hit just some daps and then we will get out of here. So let's start. In Detroit, Vikings and Lions, and on the field, obviously a very big game. First place in the NFC North at stake between these two teams. But uh, fantasy-wise, the first thing that jumps out, first thing here on our rundown, Stephon Diggs did not practice on Tuesday. Now, he's going against a suspect secondary in Detroit, but uh, Alex, it is worrisome that he's not on the field just yet. Yeah, it would. I mean, he got shadowed by Patrick Peterson last week and got shut down. But prior to that, I believe he set back-to-back career highs in targets and had 26 catches and a couple hundred yards. So you would hope he'd be able to play because he would wouldn't get shadowed fully by Darius Slay. He'd probably be able to have a good day here. But his status, we're gonna have to watch extremely closely with him missing practice on Tuesday and it being a short week. Yeah, uh, obviously Diggs has been kind of a frustration this year, uh, Harmon. I mean, this is a guy that we all really liked. And he's getting plenty of targets, and I think I saw that he's, I think, third in the NFL in receptions or something like that. But 
yardage wise, it just it hasn't worked out this year. Well, I don't know. I th- I think when Diggs has been healthy, like he had that groin injury earlier in the year, but when he's not been on the injury report, he's been completely dominant and has seen over, I believe, at least twenty eight percent of the team targets in every single one of the games in which he has not been listed on the injury report. So when he's been healthy, he's been cooking. I mean, he had over one hundred sixty yards against, uh, I believe, it was Washington the week before this Arizona game. So. Yeah, he would be in a great spot here, but it has been that the health has been the issue this year, and which is unfortunate. And someone else will have to step up. Now, the other guy in the passing game that has quietly put together some decent numbers, much to the chagrin of fantasy owners, has been Adam Thielen. And uh, franchise, I mean, how much of a sleeper is he against the Lions? Is it somebody that you can roll with maybe as a flex guy this week? Yeah, I kind of like Thielen. Uh, I mean, especially obviously if Diggs doesn't play, I think Thielen will be the number one guy there. He's he's averaging uh, forty six snaps per game which is second on the team to Diggs and he's got um in the red zone he has 50 wait no that's for the season <laughs> yeah 50 targets 50 ta- no, 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 no 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 that's not that's, that's not his red zone stats hold on I sorted by the wrong thing he has six red zone targets for the season which is second to Stefan Diggs and two touchdowns in the red zone the only other wide receiver who has a red zone touchdowns is Cordell Patterson on the Vikings, Diggs doesn't have any in the red zone. So when they get in close, it's either Thielen or probably Kyle Rudolph that they're going to throw to. Adam Thielen also second on the team in touchdown catches with three behind Kyle Rudolph. I like I like Thielen, Thielen a lot in this game. Yeah, I don't think he's gotten enough credit for how well he's played this year. No, he's he's really been improving. Well, it took him a couple weeks to get going because they were still going out with the Charles Johnson experiment, and now he's just Ugh. a punt gunner, basically. But Thielen's had uh, like 40-plus yards, I think, in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five of his last six games, he's had 40 or more yards, and that's when all three of his touchdowns have come. So he's quietly been emerging here, and I, th- I think he's a great little flex, especially in PPR leagues. What's his, one. his ownership? Not I mean, high. not much. Not high. Oh, wow. But it's, like, it's very low, yeah. The Lions allow a 73% completion rating, and the next highest team, I think we've talked about this, is 69.3%. So, I mean, they have a big gap in, in just how efficient they are allowing quarterbacks to be against them. So I think... I think Thielen, I think even CP, I think those guys are both good players. I was going to I was going to ask. I mean, Cordero Patterson anyone? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe as like a a value pick in, if you're playing DFS on Thanksgiving. Oh, the, the, those are always fun. Well, especially because um, he'll get – and in leagues where you get awarded points for return yards or touchdowns, Patterson's yes. a much better option. Yes. yes. If – Diggs is out. Yeah, much better option. If Diggs is there, then it's a little, you know. Yeah, then it's getting kind of tough. But Patterson, to you know, he's, to his credit as well, has played well this year. I think you know everybody, myself included, is like, where's Laquan Treadwell? He hasn't gotten much burn at all this year. But I don't think they've necessarily gotten ineffective play out of their wide receivers for what they ask them to do. Not at all. Um, Kyle Rudolph against the Lions. We're all in on that. Yeah, we're on board. He's he's a beast. He's been averaging a ton of targets. He kind of went quiet last week because the Cardinals just shut down tight ends in general. But he's a red zone threat. Uh, well, the Lions, but the even boys, with that, I mean, he had a touchdown that was called, called back, back by a penalty last yep. week too. So. It's true. Uh, the the Lions, obviously, as Rank Adam Rank refers to it, the Doyle rules. Jack Doyle scored two touchdowns against them in Week One, and uh, they have allowed nine touchdowns to the position on the year. Uh, and Rudolph scored last time they played them. So, I mean, those are trends if you like following those. But trends, baby. He's, a, he's a big red zone, dominating red zone target in this had, offense, and I think he's a great start this week. He scored against them, but he had one catch, one catch. for one yep. yard and yeah. a touchdown. I, w- I, am, I would be a little worried about Rudolph in general just because, you know, we know that Norv Turner always loves to use tight ends. As soon as he got out there, two of the last three games – 
with Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator, he's seen three targets, which is you know much lower than any other game he's normally seeing. Uh, flipping to the other side of the Detroit Lions. Uh, Are we just avoiding the backfield in general from this podcast and in fantasy? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, the, I. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's a the backfield. They're running backs. Yeah, Matt Asiata. Jarek McKinnon. I might think I kinda, about Jarek McKinnon. I, like, I kind of like Jarek McKinnon. You wrote him up as a spot start today, Harmon. Give us your reasoning why. Nice. Well, I think, you know, he obviously is a very talented player. We haven't seen that much this year. Yeah. I think really he's only had like one good game against Houston. But, you know, he's another player that did get injured a while ago. He missed that week eight game against the Bears. But since then... His snap rate has gone up in every game, 38% in Week 9, 49% in Week 10, 53% culminating in last week. Uh, you know, he didn't have, like, a big game or anything, but he saw 16 carries. That's the most he's seen since Week 5 in that game against the Texans. The Vikings are, you know, they want to be a run-based team. They haven't really done it behind that offensive line, but I think Detroit might give them a good opportunity to do so on Thanksgiving. This game is in Detroit, and when the Lions are playing at home, they allow 4.4 yards per carry to running backs as opposed to just 3.9 when they play on the road in that fast track in the Dome, I think Jarek McKinnon could get going in this game. Well, and there then, you go. And then get vultured by Matt Aziot. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> he could have, he could have you know, 17 carries for maybe 80 to 90 yards and then lose the touchdown yeah. to Asiata, of All course. Right, let's talk Lions here, Mark. Let's talk Lions here. Okay, we'll start with Matt Stafford. I mean, look, the, the Viking defense, they had a slump for a few weeks where people were kind of running up and down the field on them. Uh, do we trust that Matt Stafford can move this offense? Because he has not been particularly great the last three weeks or so. No, he's he's struggled uh, the last three weeks. But, I mean, it's also a case where um, I think he was, he was missing some of his weapons and now everybody's back. The Jacksonville game was a bizarre game where they had a pick six and a punt return touchdown, as we mentioned on Monday's podcast. But the Minnesota defense has given up two passing touchdowns in each of their last three games. So I like Stafford at home with a fully healthy Ebron, a healthier Riddick uh, to, to get going. And, and, you know, if you want to follow hashtag narrative street, the Lions have been getting up for their Thanksgiving opponents lately. They're actually riding a three-game winning streak nice. after going 0-9 before that. Wow. And I wouldn't even say that Stafford was not good against the Jags. He wasn't productive for fantasy because he didn't throw any touchdowns. But, but but like Galhar mentioned, a lot of that has to do with the interception return and the punt return touchdown. Like that always just takes away from you, what your offense is able to do. He still threw 33 times and completed 72.7% of his passes against Jacksonville. Yeah just didn't score any 200, touchdowns. 278 yards, so right. I, th- I think he's in a decent spot, uh, especially with Riddick and Ebron being healthier, as we mentioned. I think they're great starts as well, but the wide receiver core worries me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to ask about that uh, franchise. I mean, Golden Tate has picked things up from a slow start of the season, but Marvin Jones is on a milk carton. He's sub- fallen off a cliff. The last two games, he has 5 and 15 yards and one catch each. I'm old enough to remember when he was that, a thing. That is, that is completely <laughs> falling off a cliff. I know we mentioned on Monday's pod about how you know he had that big 200-yard game in Week 3, and since – He's combined in, I think it's eight games, seven games, seven games for 268 yards. I was just looking at this for the matchups preview for this, which you guys should be able to read on Wednesday. He's tied for fourth on the team in targets since that week three game with Theo Riddick, and Riddick missed two games. So like yeah. his, mm. his usage just simply isn't there. It's, it's, too, just, it's too up and down. Yeah, and I, I was just reading before we came up here this article on Detroit Free Press that I think was published uh, before this path before week 11 but it's talking about how Jones is he's in a slump and after a hot start and it talks about they talked to the coach they talked to Golden Tate 
And um, Cooter, Jim Bob Cooter was like, you know, early in the season, everyone was asking us questions about why can't we get Golden Tate going? And it was more of a situation where they kind of made an effort like, oh, defense are starting to key in on Marvin Jones and he's taking away like, you know, the defenders over the top, which leaves room underneath for Golden Tate. And no one was paying attention to him. And now like the tables have turned and it's the other way around. So maybe it's a matter of time until this comes back around, but I, I don't think you can trust it yet, and especially against the Vikings. Yeah, Xavier Rhodes has played really good football of yeah. late. Obviously, he had the interception return last week, but even before that, he was playing really well in coverage too. And as for Tate, we talked about his mini resurgence, but I was looking at this too. I think a key to his resurgence was Ebron being out. Because yep. interestingly enough, Tate, in games where Ebron has played, uh, owns only about 19.2% of the targets, which makes sense. Stafford spreads it around. Like, nobody owns a huge share. Yeah. They're all like, I think you put this in Slack one day, franchise like 20, yep. 21, 19, 18. Yeah. But in ga- the games where Ebron was out, the three games he missed, Tate owned almost 32% of the targets. So that worries me a little bit for this game against them. I would feel much better starting, you know, starting Ebron and Riddick than diving into anybody in this passing attack because it's just too spread out. Yeah. So Dwayne Washington or nah? Nah. 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 I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. Which we should we should uh, play off of that thing we talked about on Monday, Harmon, because Marcus we should, mentioned we should, we, should, we should open the kimono yeah, a little bit. Open the kimono. Um, well, we made fun oh, of Starks the, for how much he ran. This yeah. is true for his lack of efficiency running next the football. Stats. Oh, right. Yeah, well, the next-gen stats metric that measures uh, dist- actual distance run over the rushing yard gain. And, you know, we mentioned that Rob or that James Starks was probably one of the lower one or one of the higher ones, which is which is bad. You want to be lower because you want to be traveling less distance when you're gaining rushing yards. Right. Just being more efficient. going north, yeah. south, not east, west. Starks, I believe, ranked 24th on the week with four. 4.6, uh, and <laughs> Rob Kelly, his counterpart, was actually, you know, was pretty was really good in that game, one of the third, well, I believe the third lowest at 3.2, but then I was looking at that just to find that stat in particular, and I saw Dwayne Washington had 11, over 11! That's, That's I know, I know, I know for listeners, like, you're hearing me being incredulous, yeah. like, I don't know what the hell the right. context of that right, is, Harmon, right. you're, we're not like you looking at this all day, but that's, I believe that is the highest I've ever seen. It's I mean, really bad, what do you he, have? He ran 11 yards to gain one, essentially, is what right. that means. Well, that's right. 11 yards per, like, per, yard. per actual yard gained, yes, so, which right. is ridiculous, yeah, I, it's insane. My response was to drop a, uh, a gif of, I think, Ralph Wiggum just <laughs> running, <laughs> running, <laughs> running in a circle, because um, that's kind of what it was Dwayne Washington's game. Yeah, it was like pretty great. On Sunday. Yeah, no, stay away from him. All right. Uh, anything else, Vikings lines, before we move on? Any uh, final words? Nope. nope. Let's do going it. Once, going twice. All right, moving on. Washington at Dallas. The eternal rivals will meet at Jerry World on Thanksgiving Day. And woo-wee, oh, Kirk God. Cousins. Woo-wee. There it is. I only do it because I know Harmon hates you it. Like <laughs> I, like I got I to get his how do you like me now in here, too. I mostly just because Harmon dislikes it so much. It's just it's so corny. Ugh, he weenie. But Embrace it. Kirk Cousins is playing really good football right now. I mean, we saw what he did on Sunday night. Ear must go hard. What he did against the Packers on Sunday night. Woo. My team is trash. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, but this Dallas team is a different beast in the sense that Part of its defense is its offense and the way it is able to control the clock to just you know, really shorten the football game. Yeah. Uh, that seems like, in a way, it would be better for Kirk Cousins because they are probably going to have to throw the football if Dallas is scoring. Um, 
but is it better for Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I don't, it's a good question right now. I mean, Kirk Cousins has been absolutely you know, balling out, to be honest with you. He threw he just carved up the Packers in the middle of the field, especially. You know, I tweeted out his next gen stats passing chart and just all that production in the middle of the field. He had over hundred and fifty seven passer rating targeting in the middle of the field. Over fifty percent of his fast passes went right down the middle. And that fits with of course the personnel that Washington has with, you know, Jamison Crowder is a slot receiver, uh Jordan Reed is a tight end and Pierre Garcon is kind of a possession receiver going over the middle as well. So it's tough to bench Cousins right now, yeah, uh, because of but Dallas does give up the third fewest plays per game run to like, run by offenses sixty plays per game. Uh, it's you know you're you're not necessarily counting on him pushing forty attempts in this game necessarily. Right, I, I think it's better for Kirk Cousins than it is for Rob Kelly because oh yes, yes, yeah, I yeah. Agree with you. because if, if Dallas they're averaging thirty three minutes uh, time of possession per game, which is number one in the league so if they have the ball more and they're you know chewing up clock and scoring that means when the Redskins do have the ball they're gonna have to be passing and not chipping away with these little two-yard runs that Rob Kelly gets well and teams only run on that you know I mentioned the plays per game it's especially dramatic in the run game where Dallas only gives up 16 rushing attempts per game the next highest team is Tennessee at 19 or next lowest team is Tennessee at 19 yeah it's insane just that lack of possession and again because as Marcus said their offense can build a lead now at this point so especially with the run game and the pass game so teams I don't know I'd be I'm I don't know how you pull Rob Kelly after the game he just had like I don't think you can especially because running back options just aren't out there but I would be pretty shocked if he had the game that he did, or even I, comes close to the game he did. I wouldn't be surprised if this turned into a high-scoring affair, though, because yeah. the Dallas defense has shown some cracks lately. They lost Claiborne and Church in the secondary. So the last two weeks, they've given up a 74.1 completion percentage with an average of 40.5 attempts per game. That's partially because Pittsburgh threw the ball to Lev Bell instead, and uh, the Ravens decided to just not run in the second half. But still, that that's going to help. And as we talked about in the past with the with Kelly, as those as a two down back in a high scoring, high powered offense, like if they get near the goal line, it's going to go to him. So yeah, he's yeah. not going to lead the league the week in scoring again. But I'm I'm fine playing Kirk Cousins. The Dallas defense only has two sacks and no turnovers the last two weeks. So the thing about Kelly that kind of concerns me this week, his yards per carry has been great the last three weeks with him as a starter, averaging 4.8 yards per attempt. That's fantastic. My concern is, does he get the you know twenty to twenty four carries he's been seeing the last three weeks? If the Cowboys are just chewing up the clock, right? That's the worry. I mean, and he is a volume dependent back. I would like a touchdown on a volume dependent back. You know, he busted off some big runs on Sunday night, and I think that he does have the potential. He's not a like I call him a plotter or whatever, just a two down back. But he, that's not who he is. Like he does break tackles. He's good at that. He's really good at gaining yards after contact. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's the volume. It's a big concern here. I would, you know, he's seen twenty carries, I believe, in every game that he started. Yeah. For them, I, it would be kind of an upset if he saw twenty carries in this game. Um, pass catcher wise, what do we do? I mean, Jamison Crowder has been really great for most of the year. Pierre Garcon has quietly put up a really good season. Deshaun Jackson is Deshaun Jackson, where the the floor is low, the ceiling is high. Um, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis. I mean, which which of these guys do you guys feel most comfortable with? Reed. After that, the wide receivers concerned me a little bit. Crowder, we saw his snaps drop down to 56% with DJX healthy. That was Crowder's lowest total since week five. He also, well, he had over 100 yards and a touchdown on Sunday night. He only uh, saw three targets. 
So that's that's concerning. Whereas Garcon, I think he's got the safer floor, safest floor in PPR because he's been getting consistent catches and yardage all season long, and you hit DJX on the head. So that's kind of my assessment of it. I'm, I'm slightly worried about Crowder this week. I don't know if you guys feel differently, but we saw him for a little while earlier this season when his playing time dropped just kind of disappear from the offense. Yeah, I, I think that the Washington is going to be running less passing plays out of two tight end sets, though. Vernon Davis was on the field for 54% of saps last week, but he was only on there for 13 passing plays as a total. So I do think that Crowder will be on the field a lot, especially if this does turn into a high-scoring affair, and Dallas can get worked over by slot receivers. Can I tell you, maybe am I expecting too much from Jordan Reed? Because just looking at his week-to-week numbers – very rarely have they done anything to blow me away. He has three touchdowns all year. Two of them came in the same game against the Browns back in week four. Beyond that, I mean, this is a guy who's hovering anywhere between four to eight points on any given week. Maybe because the tight end position has just been so volatile this year that, that you know, we look to Jordan Reed to save us. But on a week-to-week basis, I, I guess I feel underwhelmed by him. Am I wrong? Am I weird? I don't think you're wrong. He's, he's not the touchdown machine he was last year, that's for sure. Yeah, they, well, they strangely avoided him in the red zone those first three weeks. I remember talking on this podcast how he had, like, a red zone target or something mm-hmm. like that in the first three weeks. That started to change. Then he got injured. Then Now he came back, and I, I think I think he's still in a good spot here. He leads the league in among tight ends and targets and receptions per game with, like, 8-point-something and 6.1, I think. So his volume is there. He just hasn't gotten into the end zone yet. But tight end is a, is a disaster, and you want to start somebody like him that's a physical mismatch and yeah. seeing a ton of targets. For that sure. would lead me to think that at some point he's going to have a blow-up touchdown game right. and wouldn't shock me. Like, I hate to say like he's due, but yeah, yeah he's, he's but due for a big TD that, game. That three-touchdown game is coming. It, and it could very well be you know, on the national stage against a division rival. It could be this game. I mean, I think just he does have the targets. He does have the receptions. And I just think that it's a situation where they have, like we're sitting here talking like, what pass catcher is it going to be? They have a lot of options to throw to there in Washington. Kirk Cousins, why he's playing so well is he's, he's doing a lot of what Dak Prescott is on the other side. He's picking this, you know, making the defense pick their poison. Yeah. Uh, flipping to the other side, looking at the Dallas Cowboys, everything fantasy wise pretty much has been working with this group. I know people with Des Bryant would probably argue that, but everything has kind of been pretty good with this group. We know Des, we know Dak Prescott is worth a start. Obviously, Zeke Elliott is a no brainer start regardless of the situation. But let's talk about that wide receiver duo between Cole Beasley, Des Bryant. Do you you just set it and forget it with both of them? Do you maybe play matchups? How do you guys uh, how are you guys approaching this right now? I think Des is fine. There's the Josh Norman worry, but they moved him around plenty to get him off of Norman in week two, and Des had a seven seven catch, hundred and two yard performance. All of that came when he wasn't on Norman. They only ran eleven plays against each other and saw two targets there. Yeah, I just con- there for context there, like they weren't shadowing him at all in right. the first three quarters and then after Brown had ripped him up when they weren't shadowing him, and then in the fourth quarter they're like, All right, let's stick Norman on Des and that definitely helped matters. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see what they do in there. I'm still I'm not going to sit Dez. As Harmon's noted in the opportunity report, his target totals have been pretty steady since coming back from injury. He just had the one, what, one catch. He had that one catch, outlier. 19-yard game against the Browns, a game they really controlled. But other than that, he had 14 targets against Philadelphia, nine targets against Pittsburgh, eight targets against Baltimore, and he has four touchdowns in those three games too. Uh, not to jump on over franchise too much here too, but I kind of like Beasley. Randall Cobb just uh, stung Washington for four for 84 out of the slot. They gave up 144 yards total to tight ends. Some of it was Jared Cook. Some of it was Cobb. Some of it was uh, a little bit was Adams and Richard Rodgers. So I think especially if you're in a PPR format and this does follow the script as we think and turns into a high-scoring affair, Beasley, Beasley could be a solid start. 
Jason Witten or nah? I'm not. I don't hate it. No, I, I don't hate it either. I, I Dallas mean, is, with no teams on by this week, I think you have higher uh, uh, other options with more upside. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, we're sitting here saying like a lot of these a lot of these guys can hit, but some of them aren't. I do think that there's a good reason. Like Washington gives up 9.6 targets per game to tight ends. That's the highest in the NFL. It's even worse than the Browns, for God's sakes. And the Browns <laughs> give it up to all the tight ends. Uh, so I don't know. I I think that Witten has a shot at a good game. Some of these guys are going to bust. I mean, that's 100%. that's the way it goes. It's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the beast. But I do think if you have Dallas and Washington players in this game, I think pretty much everybody's got a good matchup, and I think you could you should try and get them in your lineup. Cool. All right, uh, Washington Dallas going once, going twice. Moving on, final game of the Thanksgiving Day slate. The Steelers head to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. We will start on the Pittsburgh side. Ben Roethlisberger on the road, at least anecdotally, and I guess at some point, yeah, that, exactly. At uh, some point, statistically as well, it has not been good. I mean, last week, a lot of people were kind of all in on Ben and the Steelers because Browns, right? Yeah. And it didn't quite work out that way. But he's on the road this week. But Colts, right? Franchise? I think so. I think you. I mean, you're not going to sit Big Ben. It's the Colts. They gave up a bunch of yards and touchdowns to Marcus Mariota and the Titans last week. And I think it's just a matter of you know Ben's gonna Ben's gonna air it out. It's what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean the 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 Colts defense. They give up the most passing yards per game. They give up 45.5 uh, percent of their drives that. Against their defense, end in a score. Only the Packers are worse. Sorry, Gelhar. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're the best at something. Yeah, there you go. You're the best at allowing teams to score against you. <laughs> but, nice. <laughs> I, I think the Colts are are not a good defense. We know that. I, I would probably not worry about Ben in this spot if he doesn't hit his ceiling. So be it. Uh, the one the one caveat though, I, I would say, if, I would be more worried about you know if Andrew Luck misses this game and he is in the concussion protocol still. It's not looking good for him to play. If the Steelers just wax the Colts right out of the gate and this becomes a Lev Bell game, which yeah. it certainly could, that's pretty much exactly what happened against Pittsburgh last week. Well, or, I mean, it, against it, Cleveland. It, it was a Lev Bell game from the beginning when he had what, right. 11 right. touches on the opening drive. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he was the whole game plan. Didn't he have like 79 game. yards in the first quarter or something? Something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I think – yeah. Yeah, it was. And if it becomes that yards. kind of game again, that's – not great. It is, but that is certainly within the the range of outcomes for this week. Uh, obviously, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. You're not worried about them. You're plugging them into the lineup. The eternal struggle with the Steelers, fantasy wise, has been who is the number two receiver. It looks like Eli Rogers is probably that guy, but we saw a little bit of Kobe Hamilton last week uh, getting some run. Yeah, like here's the thing. You know, do do we care? Like, do we care who the number two is? Because the, none of these guys play more than seventy percent of the snaps. Neither Rodgers or Kobe Hamilton does. And, I mean, I think one of those guys could have a big game. If I was going to chase one, I think I would probably chase Rodgers just because yeah. we've seen a little bit more out of him. But, yeah. you know, Kobe Hamilton has been out there a ton. I mean, it's not Sammy Coates anymore. I like I know Mike Clay uh, tweeted out like he has which is one, his weekly fantasy finishes, and he has that one where he finished as the number, number one, one receiver of the week against uh, – I can't remember what team it was now. Against the Jets, right. But – then other than that he's been not he's been nothing and he has played just not not at all these last few weeks so i don't know i don't know if we care about who the steelers number 2 receiver is but this is well, a, an exploitable matchup yeah if if luck plays and and this could turn into i mean we're saying all these games could turn into a shootout looks up the first game but um, yeah first game probably <laughs> e- eli rogers i wouldn't i wouldn't mind Logan and him in deeper leagues but 
man, if if luck is out, uh, I'm off of everybody other than the studs on Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get over though to the Colts and, and talk about that. I mean, as, as Harmon mentioned, Andrew Luck in concussion protocol. Uh, I mean, Frank Gore, we still feel kind of okay with. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, dude! He's Frank Gore has been. Really, I think he's just been completely underrated. He's this a year. top ten fantasy. Yeah, back he's a top ten year. back. Yeah. Well, had only had like failed to have double digit points what twice. I yeah. get that. Ten games. He yeah. is a top ten back, but he's also been a top ten back when you had the threat of Andrew Luck being able to go down the field. Right. There. right now right, 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 you're right, talking right. about Scott Tolzien, and if I'm the Steelers, I I almost put eleven men in the box and just say, "Come get me." You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously that's an exaggeration, but. Now, if you are Pittsburgh, you really are just trying to take away Frank Gore, and you're going to say, Scott Tolzien, Mr. I've only thrown one NFL pass since 2013. Yeah. I need you. To, I want you to see if you can beat me down but the field. Frank Gore can't catch passes, too, so it might be a little, little dink and dunk kind of. Think, over the middle I type of thing for Gore. A, he's still an okay flex. You might be, yeah. you might not expect him to be as consistent as usual, but yeah. if the volume should be there. Yeah, Tolzien in his career as a starter, uh, 60.8 completion percentage and zero touchdowns and three interceptions. Right. Like I said, he has uh, he has thrown one pass mm-hmm. since 2013. The good news is he completed it. The bad news is it was for four yards. Right. Oh. So that- oh. <laughs> yeah. the, the only the only touchdown he's thrown was against Philadelphia. I think when he came in as a relief player in that game. Uh, so let me ask you guys. Lux out. Tolzien's in. Are you playing Hilton? Are you playing Moncrief? Yes. Ugh. Yes. I, I, I might be able to stomach putting Ty Hilton in there, but I, I wouldn't feel. I would about feel it. better about Moncrief almost because he's been a dominant red zone threat for them with his with his size there. Touchdown right. in every game since right. return. But, I mean, that's that's if you have faith that Scott Tolzien could get them to the red zone. Yeah. So, uh, what if this isn't? <laughs> By the way, for anybody looking. For all you listening, like there is a collective holding of the temples going on here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like, oh. hurting our brain. Well, but no. <laughs> what's hurting my What's hurting name? my brain is that I'm actually thinking that this could be like, what if this is not a disaster for Scott Tolzien? What if he plays kind of well? Don't go. Don't. Yes. No, 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 yes. no, 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 no. Listen, no, yes, no. Do it. I mean, in the one game that he did like play extensively uh, in 2013 against the Giants, he did throw three interceptions. That's true. Whatever. Look. Like, he's going to turn the ball but, over, probably make some but, ugly mistakes. But he completed 70% of his pass. He threw for over 300 yards. I think there's – why? like, he can feed these two guys. I think the I like big it. thing like here it. is the Colts' offensive line is horrible. We saw the Steelers get pressure on Cody Kessler all the entire game last yeah. week. They're just going to send everybody and scare Tolzien the, and just put, but him the on, Steelers, put him on the floor. But the Steelers haven't – put a lot of pressure against anybody all year, really. I mean, they've been a poor pass-rushing team. They are missing Casey Hayward, or Cam Hayward. That did not affect them. Yeah, but the Browns are, like, starting you and Marcus at the offensive line. You know, I mean, (laughs) I I know it's not Colts allowing more sacks than any other team. I know it's not like that. It's also partially luck. Yeah, that's that's a lot of luck holding on to the ball. Like, just looking back. Tolzien's going to need a lot of luck. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) Nice, Dad. Just looking back at that game, too, Jordy Nelson, 117 yards. Jared Boykin. Jared Boykin, jeez, ninety-one yards. James yeah, Jones, fifty-five. That yards. was when Jordy Nelson's, Nelson wasn't washed. Right, but my point is, like, <laughs> I think that Hilton there's and a, Moncrief aren't washed. Yeah, How like, dare those, you? those guys could <laughs> Tolzina. Those guys could get the ball from. I don't know. I'm not worried. Maybe I, maybe I look like a complete dumb, 
something when I come on the podcast on Friday. And, like, I, I Scott Tolzien threw up all over his shoes, and he, he had 120 yards. But yes. I think he's going to throw for some yards, and it's going to – like, that's the – again, the appeal of this offense is that it's mostly just these two guys. They've – like, they pretty much just demoted Jack Doyle behind Dwayne Allen, and Dwayne Allen was terrible as a result yep. uh, because he's just not – I think we can just forget – that we ever Even thought he Marcus was good. Grant, I know, man. I, was, Allen, truth I really off. was driving that bandwagon. I'm out. I'm out now. But, like, I think the Colts' offense is pretty much just, you know, Hilton and Moncrief are going to get over 50% of the targets. Frank Gore is going to get some dump-offs, and that's it. I think Tolzien can do that. You know, I'm talking to myself in this now, too, because if, if – Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> what if it's Tolzien, a short week. What if is, he, I know. It's a short week. What if he has to throw the ball 50 times because they're chasing the Steelers he's all He's going to throw it out of bounds 50 times. <laughs> I mean, but like we say that, sure, sure, he can, he he could, you know, maybe put something together, and be, or he could give us a Brock Osweiler, true. you know, ninety-nine yard game, throw it <laughs> into the defensive lineman's hands. The, true hell, the this, hell with it. I mean, I, I've got Moncrief in a couple leagues. I'm oh, starting him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> I'm not panicking on the. Be, be I'm not careful on those guys. Be careful. I, I just I, this is a moment when I feel good that I don't have any. Colts on any of my rosters, so I don't have this decision. Coats. I, I got some. I got some Colts, man, and I mean, I don't know if I'm. I don't have the stones to play Scott Tolzien because it's a you know it's a full week. Why would you ever play Scott Tolzien? <laughs> you know, I we're don't talking. Know. No, I don't, I don't know. I, I uh. I've got a I've got a two a super flex dynasty league, and I might play him, man. Just for fun. I'd pick oh, him up, pick him up in Scott Fishbowl. I don't even know. You guys are crazy. I don't even know. Listen, guys. this whole – got to be honest. This whole podcast has been, you know, pretty straightforward. Yeah, we play the – we got to throw some throw some stuff out there for these. Right. Ooh, man, all right. Uh, Fine, go for it. Steelers-Colts going once. Steelers-Colts going twice. Daily Dobson, let's go. Extra, extra, read all about it. This is the Daily Dobson Hook. Give me daps because I be squirbling right. Give me dabbing up daps about daps up. All right, daily dab time. Oh, we were—I was at least a little bit surprised. Like, hey, we just did this on Monday, and now it's uh, you know not Monday, and we're gonna do this again. But uh, let's go around the horn, Alex. Since, Wait, don't uh, start with me. I'm still collecting. Money. Okay, let's not uh, franchise. I don't have any either. Okay, uh, no, uh, just kidding, okay. just kidding. <laughs> I have one. Listen, I, this isn't really a daily daps. It's more of a—I don't know. I'm, I was on the DDFP yesterday. The Dave you gotta Damage get some, check. You gotta get some stuff off. The the I gotta get some program. stuff off my chest. Okay, guys. So just that's this is what well, this is what it's gonna be. Do Damashek was nice enough to have me on, and he did his annual Thanksgiving food draft, right? So we went around the table, and we each picked. Three, we did three rounds. My first pick was stuffing. You know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be boring here and go stuffing. And everyone was like, good job, franchise. Like that's a strong pick, whatever. And I was like, this is too boring. No one wants to listen to people pick stuffing. <laughs> so then my next, my next pick, we went around. Some things went off the table. And I went with roasted carrots because I enjoy roasted carrots. Oh, wait, was that was that, that was that your first round pick? Second, ra- second round. My pick. first okay. round pick was stuffing. Gotcha. And, and we pick. went around a couple other key vanilla boring food items came off the board. I was on a website <laughs> looking at dishes and I was like, "Ooh, roasted carrots, a huge vat of them that looks great. You know, they're in oil, they got some seasoning on them. I love me a carrot. They're sweet, they're soft, they're warm." And I said that, and I got ridiculed for it. You got roasted for I your got, roasted carrots? I got completely roasted, and then the rest of the show, they were like, oh, you and your baked carrots. And I had to be, like, roasted, like, 30 times. Roasted carrots. Yeah, you and got roasted. And if you're listening to this, you've probably tuned out already, but <laughs> uh, I like roasted carrots, and I'm going to stand by my pick, and that's it. So all of you haters out there, get off my lawn. Sheesh. 
Actually, I love the, it. as a second round pick, I, I think roasted carrots are okay. Thank say, you, Marcus. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's ridiculous. The stuffed peppers. That was where you. I was. You, that was a reach. That's a. That was the round. Kind of, third kind of, round. Most of the meats were off the board already. Kind of, kind of a contrarian play there. Right. A little, I, little bit. I, I mean, Cole Wright said crawfish. Yeah, That's, I don't know. Like that. That is. You're. You're right. You said this off the air, and I agree with you. It's a little weird that you're getting flamed for roasted carrots. Yeah, classic side dish. Because like, if I went to a Thanksgiving table. And I saw like, oh, these are all of the dishes that are here. There's, uh, I see, I see, you know, turkey stuffing. Okay, roasted carrots. All right, it's a little different, but that's fine. But crawfish? What the hell is that? Yeah, doing? Craw- crawfish is kicker in the fifth round. Crazy. No offense, yeah. Adam Rank. Woo. Uh, all right, I got mine now. I'll go right, back to it. Go for it. Uh, cool. Daily daps to the repo man in uh, Illinois who had to pick up the car. No, I like tweeted this. I retweeted this story yesterday because yeah. I was like, if anybody needs a little like shining light in their life or a sign of hope. We all do. There was a repo man in Illinois who had to take the car. It was a 1998 Buick from an elderly couple. They were 82 and 70 years old. So he had to take their car, and he felt so bad. He didn't want to do it um, because they couldn't make their payments. He set up a GoFundMe that night, got more than was necessary to finish paying off their car, put the rest of the money in an envelope, and towed their car back to them with the money in the envelope and a turkey for Thanksgiving. So... Daily wow. dabs, daily dabs to that guy. What? Where's his name here? Uh, Jim Ford of Belleville, Illinois. So Ford, ironic. Was it a Ford? What? what no, it was, a, Bu- it was oh, a Buick. Right. Oh my god. But so daily dabs to that said guy. That the story. It's a good. It's Sorry. A good, it's a good story. I tweeted about it yesterday. It. If you want to check it out, so. That's heartwarming. Yes. Harmon, what, what do you got? You got Harman, Harman, Harman. Back yeah. down. I see you uh, I see you scrolling through your phone. You're trying to find a... Uh... No, it's funny because like, I remember thinking the other night, like, you know, I'm actually prepared for this one. Like, we're having an extra episode and I remember what... It, now I've forgotten what it was. Good job. But, you know, I'm going to extend a daily dap to Marcus Grant, the uh, the the... What's what? I've lost my train of thought now. What what did I? Do? Oh, the the cup and the shirt. The, oh. the no one cares what your fantasy team cup and shirt. Yes, the mug is a hit. I took it to the nine thirty meeting today, and it was a big uh, it was a big hit amongst the people. Nice. Uh, I am yeah. planning to debut the. Uh, no one cares about your fantasy team uh, shirt on Fantasy and Friends at some point. Nice, maybe cool. tomorrow. It, it, might, uh, it might smash your mug. It has. Uh, oh, the the best part about the mug. It is that whenever franchise talks about one of his teams, I just clink it up a, up on the divide between our desks, and he's like, "I'm gonna smash that." <laughs> I know. I, I'm pretty sure that one day I'm going to come into the office, and there's going to be like a broken mug just scattered about the stronghold. Yes, yes. I'm pretty sure P- it's potentially. Um, my daily dap because here we are just before Thanksgiving. Uh, goes out to everybody who listens to us. Um, Aww. I mean, seriously, I mean, like you know, and I know every now and then we we like to thank you guys because you obviously are the reason that we're able to do this so much. But um, it's been it's been a weird year in a lot of ways. Uh, it's been kind of a different year, at least for me. I mean, I think we have we have expanded what we do in a lot of ways here, uh, and yeah, I think we have we've done some different things. I know that I've tried to do some some different things in terms of kind of reaching out to people and and that and. For the most part, everything I think that we've done, everything that I've done has been very well received, and I am certainly grateful for that. So I'm thankful for everybody out there who listens to this podcast, who who reads what we write, who watches the shows, uh, who follows along with us on various social media platforms, because, hey, otherwise we'd be talking to ourselves. Actually, we would probably be unemployed uh, is what would happen. That's true. And we'd be sitting around on our couch with no pants on, just screaming into the wind. Um, that doesn't sound so bad now that you (laughs) 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 now I should say it like that Uh, so thanks to to everybody out there who listens and honestly thanks to 
I'd say the three of you guys sitting in here right now and James Coe as well because uh, you guys are a big part of the reason I come to work every day. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like we keep each other sane. We, we make it very entertaining. And, you know, I feel like that translates into our work. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah. It. You guys uh, – all of you that listen, and especially the people in this room, you guys kick ass. So There we go. So uh, that'll do it for us. For Alex Kelhar, for Matt Franciscovich, for Matt Harmon, and for James Coe in absentia, I am Marcus Grant. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. See you later. Oh, you're doing that thing again. Fun. Five, four. Th- he did the I've, I didn't come with stats thing, and I was like, oh, we're going back to that bit again. Well, listen, if there's one thing about the NFL Fantasy Stronghold, it's that a bit shall never die. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit Hellman's.com.